Well, everything we do today is going to lead us to the moment we partake of the Lord's Supper. We come to the Lord's table and take communion today, and we're going to talk about what that means. So I want you to find your Bible, and I want you to open to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Paul writes to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians, and he encourages them, he challenges them, and he corrects them. And this portion of Scripture is a bit of correction in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. There have been some folks in the church who've been partaking of the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner, coming to the Lord's table inappropriately. And so Paul gives some correction and some instruction. And so the title of the message this morning is, Get Ready for Supper. Get ready for supper, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. So when you hear those words, get ready for supper, what does that bring to your mind? At my house growing up, I can remember when mom would say, get ready, it's almost supper time. That would mean a couple of things. So one thing it meant was there had been preparation, right? Somebody had been cooking, somebody had been preparing. There was a meal and we were about to come to the table. And so it meant that somebody, most likely my mom, had been working hard, getting ready for supper. If it was my dad, something was terribly wrong, okay? Most likely my mom had been getting ready for supper. And so she would say, get ready for supper. And sometimes that meant if the table was not set, then we needed to help set the table and get things ready, get the food to the table. Sometimes it meant if I was outside working or playing and I was dirty, I had to go wash up, clean up a little bit, and get ready for supper, right? And so when we come to the Lord's table, there are a few things it means. It means that we ought to be prepared. It means that preparation has taken place. And it means that we're partaking in something that is thousands of years old. Christ instituted this the night He was betrayed. And so we come to the Lord's table in preparation. And when we come to partake of the Lord's Supper here at church, you better be ready. We better be ready. And this is the caution and the warning that we receive from Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. He writes in verse 23 to verse 32. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night He was betrayed, took bread, and when He had given thanks, He broke it, and He said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of Me. In the same way also He took the cup after supper, saying, This Cup is the new covenant of my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. Listen to that warning. Let a person examine himself then. And so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. That's why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. But if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. When we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so we may not be condemned along with the world. Remember, God's Word is perfect and has the power to change our lives. There are two ordinances given to us in Scripture. Ordinance is a strange word, but all it means is a practice we observe from the Word of God. 
So the two ordinances given in the New Testament are the ordinance of baptism and the Lord's Supper. Two ordinances, rites or rituals that we still observe today, baptism and the Lord's Supper. Both signify, picture, and point to the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Both significant markers in Jesus' earthly ministry. You see, at the beginning of his ministry, Jesus was baptized by immersion in the Jordan River by John the Baptist, and that marked the beginning of his ministry. And near the end of his ministry, on the night he was betrayed, he gathered together to partake of the Passover with the disciples and gave this ancient supper a brand new meaning as he instituted the Lord's Supper. Take, eat, this is my body broken for you. This is my blood poured out for you. Like like two monuments at the beginning and end of his ministry, there are two markers, two significant moments in the life and ministry of Jesus that we still observe to this day. Many of you have been to California and you've seen the Golden Gate Bridge. You know that on one end of the Golden Gate Bridge stands one tower, some 25 stories high. The bridge itself stretches 750 feet and it's 4,200 feet long. On one side there's a tower about 25 stories high. On the other side there's a tower about 25 stories high. When engineers were planning to build the bridge and when they were going into the details they decided that one of the towers on the south side is going to lie directly on the San Andreas Fault there in California. So what they did is they drilled down at least a hundred feet into the sub-oceanic rock and they placed that tower that now stands tall. So even if an earthquake came and shook San Francisco, that bridge would stand tall because it is built on solid rock. Just like those two towers hold that bridge, These two ordinances at the beginning and the end of the life and ministry of Jesus are founded upon the solid rock. And that rock is the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. And it is no accident that Jesus was baptized at the beginning of His ministry and that He instituted the Lord's Supper at the end of His ministry. And these are two pictures that we still celebrate, partake in, and observe to this day. And so, as we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11, we'll see a few important principles. When we come to the Lord's table, first of all, it's a time to remember. A time to remember. We see this in verses 23 through 26 of 1 Corinthians chapter 11. The Bible tells us in the book of Ecclesiastes, there is a time for everything under the sun. And clearly, there is a time for us to remember. God wants us to remember something significant and something important. Being able to remember is indeed a blessing because oftentimes we are forgetful. Amen? Somebody just got elbowed. Sometimes we can be forgetful. I heard about three senior adults who were having a conversation about being able to remember. And one of them said... These days when I hop in the car, I can't remember whether I'm driving away from home or coming back to the house. The other said, that's nothing. When I'm standing in front of the dishwasher, I can't remember if I'm loading the dishwasher or if I'm unloading the dishwasher. The third senior adult said, that's no big deal. Nothing like that's ever happened to me before. Knock on wood. Excuse me while I go answer the door. That's the conversation. (laughs) It is wonderful that God has given us memory. 
And God has instituted the Lord's Supper to help us remember. God knew that His disciples would be a forgetful people. And God knew that those of us today who follow Him would be a forgetful people. And so He instituted memory aids to help us, to assist us in remembering those things that are essential and important in the life of a believer. One is baptism. It points to the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is the initial rite R-I-T-E, the initial rite or ritual that we observe as followers of Jesus that identifies us with Christ. We are, we are now baptized into Christ. We are buried in the likeness of His death and we are raised to walk in brand new life. And then he instituted the Lord's Supper, the continual rite of a believer. You're baptized one time. It signifies your entrance into the family of God. We observe the Lord's Supper multiple times, a continual rite or ritual that points to our belonging to the family. And so Jesus instituted both of these so we would understand the significance of his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And it will remind us of his soon coming. And here, Jesus says, through the Apostle Paul, because Paul is just recounting what he's heard from Christ, I received from the Lord what I delivered to you. That's what he says. So Jesus said on that night, take this cup. Take this bread. The Bible says Jesus took the bread and took the cup and shared it with his disciples. And there's an important phrase. I want you to underline this in your Bible. Right there at the end of verse 24, do this in remembrance of me. Right at the end of verse 25, drink this in remembrance of me. What's the point? What's the picture? We are to do this in remembrance of the price that Christ paid on the cross so that we could be forgiven and set free. It's a time to remember. Secondly, a time to reflect. We see this in verses 27 through 30. While there is remembrance, there's also reflection. And so we look back to the cross and remember the price that Christ paid, but we also take time to look within. We're not just looking backward, we're looking inward as we examine our lives. We reflect on our own condition. And I want to issue a warning. Paul issues a significant warning here. If you're not walking with Jesus today, if you're not a faithful follower of Christ, If there is unconfessed sin in your life, do not come and partake of the Lord's Supper in a flippant, and the Bible calls, unworthy manner. As careful as I can say this, the Bible teaches us, no, you can't be perfect, but you need to make sure you are not walking at a guilty distance from God. And while there may be hidden sins of which we are unaware We can even pray prayers like, God, forgive me of hidden faults. Do not come to this table in open rebellion against the Lord Jesus Christ and think, it's no big deal, I can do this, no one will know. It is better that you stay in your seat than for you to come and partake of the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner. This is why before we partake of the Lord's Supper, it's not just something tacked on at the end of a service where everybody gets a snack. It is almost always after a time of invitation. 
Because I want to make sure, I want you to make sure, I want us to have a time where we can get on our knees before the Lord, where we can grab our husband or our wife, our family, our friends, our life group, whoever it may be, and we can say, hey, let's come together. Let's make sure there's nothing between me and you, and let's make sure there's nothing between me and the Lord. This is a time for us to ask the Lord, convict us of sin and cleanse us from that sin. Paul offers a warning here, and this This is scary when you read these verses. There are those who have partaken of the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner. And here he says, you eat and drink judgment upon yourself. You become guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. What does that mean? Theologians like to argue about what it means. It could mean this or it could mean that. I'll just tell you this. Whatever it means, I don't want to be that. Whatever it means, I don't want to eat and drink judgment when I come to this table. I want to examine my life. I want to examine my heart. I want God to forgive me. I want to be right with my my family. I want to be right with my fellow man. I want to be right with the church. I want to be right with Jesus as I come to the Lord's table. The Bible says in verse 27 and 28, Whoever therefore eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then and eat and drink, eat of the bread and drink of the cup. I'm not trying to scare you. I do not. I don't want to read anything into the Bible that's not there. But as you read these verses, clearly Paul is giving a severe warning. Many of you are weak. Many of you are ill because of the way you've approached the Lord's table. And then he goes on to say, some have died. We ought to make sure that when we come to the table, it's not with a flippant attitude. Walking at a guilty distance from the Lord, knowing there's unconfessed sin in our life. That's why during this time of invitation, we, we can come and say, God, cleanse my heart. Purify my mind. I want to make sure everything's right between me and you. There's a question about how often we should partake of the Lord's Supper. Some churches take the Lord's Supper every Sunday. Some churches take the Lord's Supper only once a year in conjunction with the time of the Passover. Did you know that? And so there's an every Sunday or once a year, and we Baptists typically are somewhere in between. We like to do things quarterly. I don't know if you know that or not. The Sunday school curriculum used to be called quarterlies. Here's your quarterly. You know why? Because you get it quarterly. We We like to do things in quarters. But here's what Jesus says in verse 25. I love this phrase because there's so much freedom here. As often as you will. He says, as often as you drink it. You ever been driving somewhere and somewhere you've driven a lot before and you know that you left your house and you know you arrived at your destination but you completely forgot that drive in your mind? You can't remember anything about it. Does that happen to anybody else or is it just me? If it's just me, just get off the road when I'm driving, okay? Because that happens to me sometimes. Like, your mind just takes a break. It's not that you're not paying attention. It's not like you took a nap. It's just kind of like your brain shut off for a few moments. I don't even remember driving down this road, and here I am at home. Well, the caution is, I think, for those of us who are followers of Jesus and faithful to church, is I don't want that to happen when we come to the Lord's table, when we partake of the Lord's Supper. I don't want it to lose its meaning for us to be forgetful. And so we take the Lord's Supper a few times a year, and I think... When Jesus says, as often as you will, that includes the churches that do it 
every week. It includes the churches that do it once a year. It includes the faithful Baptists who like to do it quarterly. We do the Lord's Supper a few times a year. We don't take it every week. One of the reasons we don't take it every week is because I'm very cautious. I don't want this to become something that becomes routine or mundane. But I also want to do it enough, often enough that we don't take it for granted. Here's my hope when we talk about the Lord's Supper. I, I, I want to take the Lord's Supper, not so often that it loses its meaning, but not so rarely that we forget its meaning. Does that make sense? Not so often that it becomes just something tacked onto the service at the end. We've got to do this before we leave. But not so rarely that we forget the significance of the moment. It's a time to remember, a time to reflect. Thirdly, a time to respond. Verses 31 and 32 are really interesting. As you read these verses, you may think, what in the world is Paul talking about? Judging ourselves, not judged by the world, being judged by the Lord, and disciplined, not condemned by the world. It's kind of confusing. But here's what Paul is saying at the end. He reminds us of the choices we must make in life. How should we respond to the Lord's table? Look at verse 32. When we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. Do you get what he's saying? When we respond rightly to the Lord's conviction, we are given grace, we are judged by the Lord, and those of us who are in Christ are now judged in Christ to be forgiven of sin through the blood of Jesus and the cross, so that we are not condemned along with the world, those that reject Jesus. So you have two choices, right? You have to choose, right? This is how you respond to the Lord. The choice is either to be grouped in with the world that rejects Jesus and will be condemned, or to be judged rightly and disciplined by the Lord because the Bible says the Lord loves those He disciplines. You are part of God's family and you have a choice to make. All of this is in the context of the Lord's Supper. There's a decision. Condemned, disciplined, judged. We are either condemned alongside the world or we are judged and disciplined by the Lord. I want to live my life in a way that the Lord accepts me. I want to live my life in a way that brings Him honor and glory. There's a phrase, I I don't want to gain the whole world but lose my soul. This is a time to reflect, a time to respond. Responding is more than just remembering. You need to remember, but you also need to respond, and those are two different things. I'll I'll give you an example. This week, Stephanie and I celebrated our anniversary. 21 years of marital bliss. It's been great. You're, You're awesome, by the way. 21 years. And our anniversary was on Thanksgiving Day. It was a thanksiversary. It's great. I love Thanksgiving and I love my anniversary. So what if, what if I woke up that morning on November 23rd and just looked at Stephanie and I said, today is our anniversary. That's a statement of fact, right? I remembered today is our anniversary. Fellas, you try that. See how it goes for you, all right? 
Because it's not enough just to remember a moment or remember a fact. You also have to respond. There ought to be ways that you act. So that morning, maybe the next morning, I can't remember, I brought Stephanie breakfast in bed. She doesn't eat breakfast, but she wanted a Diet Coke. So I got one out of the fridge and brought it to her. True story. You can't hide true love. You have to do something to celebrate, right? So, so here's what I, I've been planning this celebration for a whole year. 23rd, we decided to get all of our family together from literally all over the place, like, like 80 or 100 people, and everybody cooked and everybody brought something. People made turkey, some people made brisket, some people brought vegetables, there was dessert, and we just gathered together and had the greatest anniversary celebration ever on Thanksgiving Day, right? Hopeless romantic, you just can't hide it. You see, it's not enough, it's not enough to know the facts, you have to respond appropriately. And it's not enough to know Jesus died, it's not enough to know Jesus rose again. It's not enough just to know Jesus saved my soul. How does that change my life? How am I transformed? It's not enough just to remember. I have to respond. And so, that leads us to our time of response. First and foremost, this is reserved for those who know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, those who are children of God, those who've been saved and a part of God's family. It's reserved for those who are walking faithfully with the Lord. Not not perfect. No such thing as a perfect Christian. But walking faithfully with the Lord. The best you know right now, there's nothing between you and the Lord. And the Bible even offers a warning to those of us who might have something against someone else that we need to go make it right before we might even come to partake of the Lord's Supper. Significant moment. So first and foremost, do you know Jesus? Has there been a time in your life where you've responded to His grace and received His salvation? Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt you've repented of your sins and you've placed your faith and trust in Jesus? The Bible tells us that God loved you so much. God loved the world that He sent His only Son. The God who created everything is a God who sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for your sin because sin separates us from God. Sin condemns us before a holy God and we're lumped into that category, condemned by the world. But when we come to Christ, we are forgiven and set free. When we come to Christ in faith and repentance, we're accepted, we are redeemed and we're forgiven. We're adopted into the family of God. The Bible says, That you can know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Lord and Savior. Not just a prayer to get out of hell and get to heaven. But to say, God, I want you to be the Lord of my life. I want to follow you. You're in control. Has there ever been a time in your life where you've done that? Just a moment, I'm going to pray. And you'll have a time to respond. I'll give you an opportunity to trust in Jesus. We'll have folks here to receive you, to talk to you, to pray with you. To share with you what it means to follow Christ. This altar will be open where we can just grab somebody and say, hey, I need, I need you to go with me. I need you to pray with me. And we make sure we're right with the Lord before we partake of communion. So I want to ask you now if you'd bow your heads and close your eyes all over this place. Has there been a moment in your life where you've trusted in Jesus? Do you know that you have a relationship with God? Today, you may say, Pastor Jim, I don't know, but I, I want to know. 
right here in the room, wherever you are, watching online, wherever you may be. You could say something so simple. I know, I know I need Jesus. And you can come to Christ today. It's as simple as a prayer from the bottom of your heart. God, I know that I'm a sinner. And I know I need a Savior. I believe the Savior is Jesus. I repent of my sin. And I place my faith in Jesus Christ. You come be the Lord of my life. I want to follow you. That's your desire today. You want to trust Christ with your life. You can text the word respond to the number on your screen. Those of you here in the room in a moment, we'll have folks standing here at the front to pray with you, to share with you what it means to know Christ. And maybe you just need to say, I need Jesus. I prayed that prayer. I need Jesus. We'll share with you what it means to know Christ. Maybe today, you need to grab somebody. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a kid. Say, hey, come pray with me. Heed the warning of Scripture. Don't you come to this table unprepared in an unworthy manner. Maybe God's calling you to be a part of this church. Whatever it is, as we listen to the Lord, I'll pray. We'll stand and sing. You respond. Father, it's in Jesus' name we come. We ask for your grace. We ask for your mercy. It transforms and changes us. We ask for your Holy Spirit to work and to speak. Have freedom in this place. Save souls. Change lives. For your glory in Jesus' name. Amen.